0: Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. A five-goal
1: turnaround from last week sees the Brisbane Roar into the winner's circle for the first time this season. It might not have been pretty, but it's still three points to add to the tally. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review for another week. James Coglin here to host again from the Switch 1197 studios, and I'm joined by football fanatics Scott Owen and Adam Pace. Guys, how does it feel to be able to come in and discuss a win on the show for the
2: first time? Oh, I think it's a welcome relief, I think. Uh, for a while I was thinking uh, a win might be a bit beyond us, but like I said, it's good, good to have a win. That's a good to come away with three points. Scott, how are you going?
3: Yeah, well, we've had the full range of results now, James. It's good. I don't Seems no, it, to be talking about a win for a change.
1: It was very nice of the Raw to actually get those three different results out of the way so we can see which result brings us a better episode, I'd say.
3: Oh, so, yeah, we'll go with that. Like Thanks, that.
1: Brisbane Roar. Anyway, we're a part of the Outside90 fan network, presented in conjunction with the Daily Football Show. Let's get started with a recap of Saturday's game. So, in the early kickoff off in the afternoon, the Raw took on the Mariners in a tight game that finished 1-0. Thomas Christensen scored the game's lone goal in the 33rd minute, getting onto a loose ball in the area to become the 66th goal scorer in club history. That was Scott's stat, so if it's wrong, blame him alright so let's get started with thanks over- James thanks for that oh yeah I've got to throw you in the bus we've barely been going for a minute and a half <laughs> alright so overall the Royal were forced to grind it out had to do their bit to hold off at the end but they really should have put the game away it was part Izzo part wasteful finishing on their part especially at the end they missed a whole bunch of open goals Adam what did you come away from the game thinking
2: oh look a win's a win but I think uh, overall I think we still probably are a bit off the pace as far as the rest of the league goes uh I said, I think the Borello miss at the end. I think encapsulate like his sort of season at the moment. That you know, sort of devoid of confidence. But uh, look, a win's a win. There, we could have even we could have even lost it. You know, right near the end there. So I guess you've got to take some positives away from from the win. But from a bigger picture point of view, a lot of work still be done.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. But a clean sheet's always positive. We've seen the Royal conceded a lot of goals so far this season. So to get a clean sheet is good. Christensen coming into the game scoring scoring his first goal is good. I thought we created more chances in this game as well. We'll get into it later but McLaren got into this game a lot more than he has in previous weeks I think. So well there's wasn't the greatest win. It's a good start to building confidence for the season ahead.
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, why don't we get started with Jamie McLaren because we did mention him as a player to watch in last week's show. He was a lot more involved getting in behind the defence, creating chances, but he just couldn't finish it. And I feel like that's probably a little bit of a confidence issue.
3: It could be confidence. If you look at those chances, last season they're goals. So, well, it's not great that he hasn't scored yet. It's very encouraging he's still getting into those positions. And I think in a couple, maybe this weekend he might break that duck and score. Because I don't think he's, I think there's some stat going around. He hasn't failed to score in four straight games for Brisbane Raw. So he's mm. probably due.
1: Yeah, I think hopefully it all works out for the best this week. But it was encouraging to see him get a little bit more involved because he had been marked out quite a lot against the Victory and against the Jets.
2: I think I think he was happy to actually to um, take on sort of a defence that's a little bit more looser, I guess. Yeah, you know, you're right. He has been marked out by you know, by a you know, tough centre back. You know, last two weeks, so to have a little bit more room, um, I think helped. I think I think he's due, but I, I think you know, if you're sort of a punting person, I think you know getting on the first scorer for Jamie McLaren might be actually a decent bet. And
3: Did of you course, Jack Fettie Gable... he's not a tough defender there, Adam. Yep. He's a great oh. defender. <laughs> for us, maybe.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no. He did, he, I think... In fact, he actually had his moments. He, did, yeah. he didn't seem to play poorly enough to get pulled at halftime. So, I suppose that is an improvement
2: for Admittedly, him. Admittedly, uh, Jack's thought he was a lot better than what he has in the past two weeks. So. Mm.
1: That's it. All right. Well, hopefully that uh, changes for Jamie McLaren. Let's move on to a real standout guy for me. That was Jack Hinger. Now, look, we were fairly critical of him last week against the Jets. But I thought he bounced back phenomenally. And his effort down the right touchline was... In my opinion, the main reason for the Raw's goal.
2: Yeah, well, that's I was going to say it was his effort that was that led to the ball spilling out for Christensen to put away. So that and that's, no, that was his goal almost. So yeah, he's uh, like I said, I think obviously he, obviously is a confidence player, and um, like I said, he had a good game. And when he has a good game, I guess you know we're going forward and going well.
1: And it, it, I think what really stood out for me was the fact that he didn't let last week get to him. It was a week later, and he just went, all right, new game, new approach. I'm going to go in and do my thing. And that's one thing that I, I suppose I kind of forgotten about what he could do from last season. It was just that industrious work up and down the sideline doesn't stop running, and I feel like that's something that he's going to really be useful for as the season but goes on.
2: At his, at his best, so he is one of the better uh, right backs in the league. So, like I said, maybe you know the you know, the bounce back is a sign of maturity for for him. And I think, um, yeah, like I said if he if he's at his best, we're we're going well.
1: Well, the funny thing is like. Just thinking back a few years ago, he was basically the reason they let Jason Guerrier go, because they were giving him squad time from memory?
3: In a way, he kind of was, but if you think back a little bit after that, when Ivan Franic left, there was a big question mark over right back. He didn't quite feel that initially, but when Paul Enns came, he kind of stepped up with that competition, and has really been very good in the last couple of years, actually.
1: And maybe he just needs that little motivation to say, look, if you don't play well, you don't get your spot, and... You know, there are some players that need to be motivated that way, and, you know, that's just something for Aloisi to consider. All right, I suppose it wasn't all positive, though. For me, the defender, the defensive situation was a little bit uneven. Luke Devere, I thought, got uh, beaten for the most part, but he did come up with a crucial stop at the end. Did
3: you guys see the same sort of stuff? Uh, kind of in a way, but with Devere again, you've got to remember, it's his, first, <coughs> it's his first run of games back from 18 months out of injury, so expecting consistency straight away with Luke Devere is kind of a... It'd be nice, but it's not quite going to be there yet. You're going to need to get him 10, 15 games before he gets that consistency in his game.
1: And he has stepped up quite a lot at the end of two of the three games so far. So I Absolutely. suppose we can't. That be too block critical. in the
3: last minute was very important.
1: Well, he was basically sitting on the ball like the kids <laughs> well, worked there for me. Sitting, same thing. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a good showing from him. Now, uh, what about the overall team's uh, selection? So we had Thomas, Tommy Orr, and Thomas Broich, not Thomas. Or and Tommy Broich, uh, starting for the team. Do do you guys think they might be the best wing combination for the team?
3: We'll find out in a couple of weeks, I think, when Manuel Arana comes back and Dimi Petrados comes back. We'll kind of find out who is the best combination. But of the wingers we've seen, I think that's the best the best option we have so far until we see what the two guys coming back can do. Would you go with them
1: as probably your first choice for the time being, though?
2: I was actually quite surprised to actually see both um, Thomas Broch and uh, Tommy Or on the same uh, same starting line. You know, Both are predominantly left-sided players. So, obviously, uh, Tommy Or, I think he, he was the one that shifted on the right or at least started on the right. So, that's I guess a feather in his cap that you know he could actually fill in in a more unfamiliar sort of position. So, But at the moment, I think um, with, with Petratus out, Borrello sort of out of form, uh, Arana still maybe a couple of weeks ago, I think that's probably our best wing combination we have at the moment.
3: Of the three, I prefer Tommy Orr on the left, though I thought he had more impact on the left when he came on against Victory and against Newcastle than he did on the weekend. Not that he wasn't good, I thought he's better on the left. I suppose one thing
1: I'd be a little bit interested to see down the line is if they're trying to look for a more attacking lineup, maybe push Breuch into the middle to play a sort of like a dual 10 thing with uh, Holman and then have Christensen or Mackay, just one of the two, screening as a holding midfielder. Just if
2: you're trying to look for attack... A little bit more.
3: It's an option you could consider. I think.
2: Um, I think we touched on our preview a couple of weeks ago that I think that's the one difference with this squad that we have that there is that propensity to be able to actually change up and you know different formations, different shapes. And broich playing either in that left midfield role or even left wing as he's accustomed to, or even you know play that second number ten with Holman. It does you know on paper actually does you know have some promise. And he's
3: done all right in the middle as well, although it's more as a false nine dropping in than playing that number ten role where he's been the best centrally, but. It's and, worth considering.
1: And he does have that creativity to really come in and sort of dictate play as needed. As we've talked about, though, I don't quite think he has the pace to run the wing every week now, but he's just that smart. That well, I think he... it's
2: all, all about reinvention for him. If uh, you know, Especially if we were to lose you know, a player like Holman to injury or something like that, you know, I think you should strongly consider you know, playing uh, Thomas Broch in a number 10 role.
3: Yeah, that's it. It's good to have plenty of options in the final serve.
1: Yeah, you can never have too many options.
3: Speaking of which, of all the options...
1: Aloisi didn't seem to go to his bench until very late in the game. Was that a little bit of a strange moment for you?
3: Oh, Kind of, but I thought the second 45 was our best half of the season so far, so I can kind of understand why he thought just keep the team out there, keep the same keep the same going, we we're creating some chances. I think he kind of just thought the second goal would come, and it obviously didn't come, but he made changes towards the end, but I didn't have too much of a problem with it, to be really honest with you.
2: Yeah, like at the end of the day, you know, you got you got to trust sort of the coach, you know, to be able to sort of read the game. There, I guess. Well, I guess what we, we get bored of sometimes as fans is that, you know, oh, that you know, the predictable at sixty minutes there's a change. You know, if if I guess we got to give John Elway some credit, he thinks that you know they can shut off the game by selling the same eleven. Then you know, so be it. But you now in this case, it may have backfired.
3: It's not quite the same as the fantastic Franzia. <laughs> yeah, no, was, subs, well, we're losing one or and, and nothing. That. No, it's not quite that bad.
1: I think we were all chomping at the bit to mention that. <laughs> it had
3: to happen, didn't it?
1: <laughs> but uh, one of those subs that did come on was Joey Katabian at the end, and he had a couple of chances
3: to get in on goal. He had a great chance towards the end though. And I suppose,
1: like, again, it's nitp- nitpicking as I am want to do, that's want with an O, where he had a shot and managed to sky it over the bar. I feel like at that point, you've at least got to try and force a save, even if you drill it straight into the keeper's stomach.
2: Oh, I th I think so it's uh as a bit then you know so young players you know they got to uh yeah I guess yeah, you know, the exuberance of youth in a way
1: mm, well speaking of like Katavian could have had an open goal Barello I think got on the end of a bad clearance I think around at the, the
3: same th- time wasn't it pretty much they yeah
1: it was chances, all yeah. within about 30 seconds of each other and then yeah Barello came in and yeah, tried it's... to do a strange first time shot when he could have squared it and it would yeah, have been I think easy he, I think he
2: took out nearly some of the members of the yellow army with that shot so
1: they were all members of the Yellow Army? Or was it the
3: <laughs> two guys like with the trumpet? That. Don't Perhaps. be like that. It's Again, it's probably confidence. Back to the more serious issues. It's probably a confidence issue with Borello.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to take shots. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think, look, truthfully, it wasn't the most entertaining game. So I don't think we're going to talk about it any longer than we absolutely have to. And I'm about at the point where I'm ready to move on. What do you guys say? I
3: think so. We got the win. That's all that can be said.
1: Exactly. All right. Well, let's move on to part two. We'll be back in a little bit on the Brisbane Football
0: Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
1: Welcome back to part two of the Brisbane Football Review, part of the Outside 90 fan network and presented in conjunction with the Daily Football Show. It's James, Scott and Adam here in the Switch 1197 studios. I think that's all the plugs we need to get out for the I now. I think go. so, okay, that's cool. about, that covers it, yeah. Excellent. Alright, so part two, news and reviews. So, we're going to start off with sort of a resolution to the W League dramas that we touched on last week, where they've announced their pl- ink squad uh, earlier this week. So, Scott, who are some of the notable ins for the team well, you,
3: you mentioned they've come to some sort of resolution because the contracts have been signed I'll let, I'll let Adam go through the foreign additions for you so I'll go through the local ones Just brought back Sonny Franco the midfielder slash striker from Sydney FC previously with the Raw and Mackenzie Arnold from Perth the Matilda's goalkeeper who was on the bench for their recent campaign in Rio
1: Okay.
2: and the uh, foreigners so far this season they've got uh, Maddie Evans the American midfielder who played for the Orlando Pride in the WASL and also as well, Nina Frausing pedersen from FC Rosenborg, who also played uh, a handful of games for Liverpool in 2014.
1: And still a name that's much easier to pronounce than Konstantopoulos. <laughs> got it? Come on, it's not that hard. <laughs> well, it's because I have to keep practising it every day as I go to sleep. Say it ten times. Konstantopoulos, Konstantopoulos, Constant. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a pretty decent squad. So they announced, was it a 15... 15- lady playing roster to start off with.
3: Yeah, 15 and they've added one, which...
1: That's right. So some of the notable absentees from the first announcement were Tamika Butt, Christy Yallop and Emily Gilnick, who Gilnick has since announced that she's back with the Raw, so it'll be good to have her back in Orange for the season. So what are you guys thinking now with this squad? Are you happy with what they've got at the moment?
3: It looks a decent squad on paper. I mean, the spine of the team is pretty strong, but we'll have to wait and see because with the W, it's kind of hard to tell year on year. Yeah, but it, it looks to be a pretty decent squad,
1: and it's whatever Melbourne City can afford. Yeah, I, I was going yeah,
3: me. yeah, to say kind of just, like, we're just so far out in front, but yeah,
2: no, I was going to say the yardstick, unfortunately, is Melbourne City, and you know, like said, but like I said, we t- we took that team to um to penalty shootout last year in the semi-finals. So look, with a few new new sort of ex, you know extended sort of roles in there, who knows? We might we might actually get a win, maybe the first win against them.
1: You never know, and also I suppose like. As was the case with the raw when they were playing quite well, the men's team, it's challenging the rest of the league to get up to that standard. Like no one's going to make the, make Melbourne City play down, so why not give them a challenge?
3: Absolutely, and the raw have been traditionally very strong in the W League as well.
1: That's it. And so they've got sixteen players in the squad. There are some more to come.
3: It, is it, I think it's twenty, isn't it? The minimum or something like that. Anyway, so something probably like should that. be a couple more to add. But...
1: And as we mentioned, like all of the original contracts are going to be honored so a lot of that we
3: think so we're not 100 percent sure how that's what i've seen reported anyway
1: and yeah any any of those dramas appear to be being thrown square in the lap of former managing director mr cobb so mr cobb yeah anyway let's move on to that weekend recap so there were four other games besides the raw there was perth beating melbourne city 3-2 on the friday night game and i I did not see this one coming honestly
3: no well we'll get to the coaching thing in a minute in the we do the preview Kenny
1: Lowe lost it at half time yeah, we'll get sure. to that
3: later but <laughs> yeah. I thought Perth were very good actually
1: Andy Keogh got a hat trick he
3: did he was he's very I think he's, with all the high quality strikers in the league he's going a bit underrate, underrated but again with Perth it's set pieces they scored two from set pieces in this game and it's one of their biggest strengths I think
1: yeah Adam what did you make of that
2: I think, I I think don't think it was actually as big a surprise as what people sort of thought about Perth you know we, we always said that yeah that that they were going to be up there this season. I think they may have taken one step to prove that they may actually be contenders. And that was that was a big win, especially with City's momentum after the derby. And uh, and yeah, look, I I think they're they're one of the top teams at the moment. And as we would,
1: you know, for me, Perth have kind of recruited under the radar, but they do have a very deep squad.
3: It's a very good squad in Perth, actually.
1: All right, so let's move on to for what for me was probably the game of the round, Melbourne victory in Adelaide. It any you know hesitations about. Watching after the raw game, were taken away from that. It was a classic finish.
2: I, th- I think, you know, where I, I sort of alluded to earlier in the piece that, you know, that the standard of the games, you know, between the Royal Mariners game and uh, the, the sort of the Melbourne victory Adelaide game, I think it's just night and day at the moment. Those two sides are very. You no, know, so skillful as far as you know where they're at in the season, and it was it was a great game. I think I think even people that are non-sort of, you know, football fanatics I think would have actually enjoyed that game, especially the drama at the end. Well, that's what I saw a lot
1: of after the game. It was a lot of you know this is how you advertise the A League with games like this. And while yeah, okay, we're not going to be on the same level as some of those top European leagues. If we can produce entertaining finishes, then why not?
3: That's also about to point out. That's the kind of game you show to the broadcasters if you're trying to get a new TV deal because that game had almost everything. But with Adelaide, again, it's injuries. Henrique is now out along with Sirio and Karuska and so they're kind of... yeah They're it, in a bit of trouble there, I think. Although the young kid, O'Doherty and McGree were, yeah, weren't too it. bad. And Danny Choi... I, mean, I said, don't forget Danny Choi. He nearly broke the
1: Well, now we get to find out if these guys are able to step Absolutely. up on a consistent basis because if they're are key players out for any sort of thing, you find out how good their backups really are. It's all good to come in and produce for one game, but if you're going to need to do it for six, seven, eight weeks on the trot, that's where you're going to find out if you're a starting-caliber A-League
2: player. But I think as well, uh, just just quickly on that as well, we talk about those young guys from Adelaide as well, but also Sebastian Pasquale's... Sort of form so far. He was the one who laid off the pass to Rojas to win the winning goal. And you know, for sixteen years, years old, you know, he uh, hopefully he's going to be you know, a sensation for, for Australian football for years to come.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I know he's actually probably one of the few sixteen year olds who actually can justify being overly confident in himself. Yeah.
3: Well, Tommy always was the other one. <laughs> so we might see Pasquale off in Europe pretty soon too, because he's a very good young player.
1: Yeah, well, if he's good enough, send him over. As long as he's getting game time.
3: Exactly, it's important.
1: Is it? Anyway. anyway, Well, that's just one thing I always notice about the A-League. Now, if they're good enough, they can actually stay here and play. And I feel like that's not quite as much of a detriment as it would have been, say, five, six years ago.
3: It's a good education for young players, the A-League.
1: And it's quite a physical league. Anyway, Saturday, doubleheader. Sydney FC against Wellington. Kind of like the Royal game. Smash and grab. Yeah, less yeah. said the better.
3: Wellington weren't too bad, but you've got to defend better on that in the last minute.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. A dramatic finish, at least. Yeah, no. I, Sydney, I think, proved that you know they are probably you know at the top of their game at the moment. Wellington were, look, they're better. they were better than last week against Perth, but like I said, they're they're on three at the moment, and look, that's going to be a long road back for them if they're going to um, sort of you know, contend this season. But they've got the squad to do it. It's just a, I guess the belief in actually putting the result together.
1: Now I watched about first ten minutes in the final twenty minutes of the final game on Sunday. It was the Wanderers against Newcastle. Their first game at spotless stadium, the yeah, AFL no, field.
3: Yeah, the showgrounds.
1: And boy, am I glad I tuned into that final 20 minutes when Newcastle just decided to run over them at the end. Came back for a 2-2 draw, and boy.
3: And Newcastle I'm, looked really good in the last 20 minutes as well. That's, a, that's the thing. The Wanderers were so good in the first 45, and then it just kind of flipped in the last 20, 25 minutes with Newcastle. It was unbelievable.
1: And for me, what really stands out is the way Newcastle finished the game. Like For me, that's always what you look for in a team that's going to be in contention down the line. It's a team that's able to... I suppose finish strong and run over their opponents and Newcastle have done that quite well so far.
3: And they're doing it shorthand as well with so many injuries as well. They're the other team who's got so many injuries at the moment.
2: Yeah, like so we didn't we didn't expect, you know, Devonte Klut to be to start as a, you know, the number 9, you know, it's uh Yeah, you know, like they said almost away. you almost wish that you know he'd stayed in Brisbane, you know, if that's where he was going to suggest go a play. To but I think I think it's more out of good fortune and sort of you know, he fell so, into the right spot. Yeah, exactly, rather than, there's no way he gets game time over James McLaren here, so
1: Or even Brett Holman, Petrados.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah.
1: So it did oh. see him going well anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, we like, wish him well. I he's think. he's one of those guys that even though we are raw fans, we do want to see him finish off strong. But um yeah, it was interesting. And then uh Hull was probably the key player for Newcastle this week. We talked about Nabu last week and
3: yeah. It's good to see him adding goals to his game, Andrew Hill. Because he's got he's got a lot of attributes to his game. It's good to see him adding some goals to it.
1: That's it. Now, uh, Ange Postacoglu today has named a 30-man initial training squad for the Socceroos' upcoming World Cup qualifier against Thailand. I'm already thinking this is going to be an incredibly surreal game because the fans are going to have to follow a very strict set of rules with Thailand in mourning after their King's death. Yeah, and interesting. Yeah, I, I hope, you know, for the sake of diplomacy, everyone actually follows those restrictions. I'm trying to remember. It was uh, you're not allowed to wear bright colours, so you got to wear like black or grey, I think.
3: And no, no cheering, no, no drums or anything like that. It's got to be a. Yeah, they kind uh, of want it to be a very quiet, sombre occasion, which is yeah, so their culture. It's the beans, way they. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh look, and you know it's, if they want to do that. Yeah. Fine by me. That's their home game. Their rules. You could have almost moved it to a neutral venue, but I, think I feel that like was
3: kind of a discussion going on, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was, but I don't know. It's just I, I'm fine with them playing it in Thailand with those rules. I think it. Truthfully, Thailand are the easy beats of the group, and we'll We'll see about that. Well, they did give the Socceroos trouble last time. I do remember that. But uh, yeah, for Brisbane, one player is going to be in that initial training squad at least. Tommy Orr. I don't know if he's going to make the final twenty-three man cut, but if he does, he's going to miss the Adelaide United fixture on November eleventh. I want to say eleventh, twelfth, or thirteenth around there, yeah. And uh, then he'll be in a race against time to get back for the November nineteenth game against Sydney FC. So
3: It's good to see him back in the soccer Squad as well, because that's kind of why he came back to the Raw, to get himself back into that mix. So. Mm,
1: well, I was talking about it with one of the guys at work this afternoon. and saying, oh, Tommy Orr's done nothing since he returned to the Raw. <laughs> <laughs> good fan debate. I just told Tim that I'd mentioned that, and now I'm going to see if he's actually listening to the show. <laughs> good, good little test. <laughs> and uh, a couple of other players. Luke Bratton's in the squad. He's someone who I think has been on fire so far. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. No. He's uh, The way he's started for City... Uh, this, this season, I think, yeah, definitely deserved to be there. And that's probably the reason why he come he come home or agreed to come home, other than sort of his uh, troubles over in the UK. So but it's, I guess it's a reward for persistence.
1: And he, and he is playing quite well. Anyway, so we're going to power through this ASC Under 19 Championship. The Australian team go out in the group
3: stage. What are they actually called again? Is it the Joeys? It's the Young Socceroos, James. Young it was Socceroos. Another, another failure with the Young lost Socceroos. Lost to Tajikistan. Well, see, they, they don't really deserve for me to learn they their lost name. To the, they lost to somebody. They beat China. They 1-0 over China. 2-3 to Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan and, then and then threw it Tajikistan. yeah. Yeah, so, so...
1: Raw players, Joey Champness, Jaden Prasad and Connor O'Toole all played in the tournament. Yeah, so they'll
3: be back in Brisbane probably now, actually, because it was a few days ago. So they'll be available for the... potentially in the A-League squad, but probably getting ready for the new youth league coming up.
1: I think we're going to see them probably at wherever the youth league fixtures yeah. are getting played. To be determined. Yes, that's it. My mm. favourite venue. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, we're also quickly going to touch on the FFA Cup discussion. So, Sydney FC and Melbourne City are going to be playing. So, it's the Sky Blue Derby,
3: since we've got to name every fixture. Something like that.
1: Well, it's good, though, because I think like, they're two teams that have started the A-League off on quite... When
3: it gets to wear Sky Blue, the other one has to give it up.
1: <laughs> the other one has to wear Marone. <laughs> well,
3: oh, that'd be amazing.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, finals at Amy Park on Wednesday, November thirty. Tony Pignata, the Sydney FC chief, didn't seem to be too happy with that decision.
3: No, they went in hard on that, didn't they? And he Perth Glory, Arler, the chairman.
1: Perth Glory weren't too happy with that either. They yeah. felt like they should host the grand final because it's unfair. That but Perth, Perth are ha-
3: always complaining. I know
1: that's why I like
2: taking shots yeah. at them. Yeah, but I think the the FFA have really once again. I think you thought they would learn their lesson last year with Tony Sage going off his nut about about it. You know, look at the end of the day, you know. It's, they, the FFA need to be sort of clear and decisive on this. Is that where they stick the final somewhere and stick by it? Well, you know, if, if it means that it's two two neutral teams, so be it. You know, you've had six months' notice for it, but you know, this whole let's let's make it make a deal at the final minute. Uh, I think you know, it's any wonder that you know, Tony Pinyard has actually gone off about it. Well, no, no, don't like, blame him.
3: Sorry, it's been a few yeah. it's been a few weeks between the quarterfinal and the semifinals. They could have communicated. Okay, the final will be in the winners' ground of this game. Yeah, so, yeah. if it was going to be the winner of victory in City Hosting, then why didn't they just say that two weeks ago and then there would have been no argument from Sydney?
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, what would have, uh, what really, uh, uh, what I like is the idea, uh, I think it was Simon Hill who had it, put the final in Canberra every year.
3: Yeah. works a neutral venue works oh, look
2: pe- people like some people may not be happy with it but you know what we know where it is you know it, it may not be the same sort of you know aspect as you know the FA Cup at Wembley every yeah. year which is which is tradition but you know what you can't start traditions unless you start it
1: we haven't really got a Wembley close we'd exactly have with the MCG, there's no real yeah.
3: Wembley options out there
1: but well I yeah. like Simon Hill's idea so every A-League team has 27 fixtures yeah yeah so and everyone has 13 or 14 home games in alternating years, why not take what would be the 14th home game for some teams, play that in Canberra every season, if they don't have an A-League team, and turn it into a weekend of football. So you have one game on the Friday, two or three A-League games on the Saturday, and then the FFA Cup final on the Sunday between the two teams that are there.
3: They kind of do that now with the 14th game, playing it in regional areas. But the Raw took one to Cairns last year. I think the Mariners oh yeah. took their game to... The game against Melbourne Victory it gave them a home game in Geelong and a couple of other examples. Hobart, well. I think, has hosted a game think, as well. Yeah, Launceston's hosted one as well a few years was ago. It was a so. game,
2: I think, in two weeks' time
3: in Canberra. Uh, was it th- Mariners, was this weekend. It was the Mariners with one of their home games. Yeah,
1: well, there we go. So, I don't know. I, I like that idea. It's probably one of the more constructive solutions I've heard. And I'm saying that because I just quite like Simon Hill. <laughs> more
3: clarity FFA would be nice yeah. on this issue, I think. Yeah, as opposed
1: it. to just having the luck of the draw hosting it.
3: I'm oh, not and even a draw. They just announced that Fox said, oh, the finals in Melbourne, by the way.
1: Well, maybe they it's did a coin, of, flip, yeah. coin flip out the back in the production offices. Maybe. Anyway, we're going to come back with this very special third segment, so we'll be back after this on the Brisbane Football Review.
0: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
1: Alright, welcome back to a special bonus segment of the Brisbane Football Review. This came about after some discussion debate between us over the weekend, so we thought we should probably put it on air, because I feel like it's actually an interesting topic. A-League expansion and the possibility of a second Brisbane team. Now, Adam, we're going to let you do the lead-off here.
2: Yeah, What's look, going on? Look, it's uh, been, obviously... The expansion issue, I guess, has been sort of been flaming for a, for a couple of years now. But ever since uh, Greg O'Rourke, the new, uh, FF, uh, the new A-League chief, I should say, has sort of come on board, the whole talk of expansion has sort of you know, gone to the, sort of the next level again. And the, obviously the reports in the last week or so about former Brisbane raw. Coach you know, and former Gold Coast, United coach Miron Blyberg, talking about a second team coming to Brisbane, and um, and as as far as a consortium that are willing to sort of, uh, to invest in a second A League licence in Brisbane.
1: Well, are these the guys that we've been hearing about that might be interested in the raw licence?
3: I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah. We're not quite sure who's behind mm. it because he's just saying I can't tell you who's behind it or anything yet. But just Mop Blyberg saying
1: well, I don't have people. Well, I wouldn't be surprised because like some of the things we. are Reading on social media and reports and whatnot is there are there were people interested in taking the raw license off the batteries, and I'm wondering if they've just said, "Well, look, they we don't think that's a fair deal, so we're just going to try and start up our own team."
2: It's probably more probably more likely than not that it is the same people. Like we didn't know then who this consortium was then. So look, you, you could probably you couldn't rule in or out that the same same sort of um, the mob, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, that's it. Now, I suppose first of all. Why don't we just start off with our thoughts on the idea of a second Brisbane team? Adam, you had some pretty strong statements on this.
2: Yeah, look, I'm look, I'm not, I'm not anti-expansion. I, I, I quite think it's it's necessary on a sort of a league-wide basis. But in Brisbane, if if the parameters are that you know that this is a second team that will share SunCorp Stadium, based within the the uh, Brisbane metropolitan area, it ain't going to work. And in fact, it can go one of two ways. It'll either be, you know. Uh, un, un, unforeseen success, or not only would this club fail, but I dare say it also would take down the Brisbane Roar as well, given the sort of the ownership turmoil, the sort of the perceived lack of money and whatnot. And I just think, yeah, no, if it's if it's a second club to. To you know, almost challenge the RAW and this belief that oh, by having competition will make the RAW better. I think they're seriously mistaken because I think it'll go the other way. You're cannibalising the support, the the little support there is at the moment. And look, and these these consortium, they better be prepared to lose years upon years of of money just to at least keep it afloat. Little Gnome makes money out, which you know you don't go into business to make losses. That's it. Well, one thing
1: that really stands out for me is the fact that. I get the logic behind putting in a second Brisbane team. I feel like it's really had a great impact with the derbies in Sydney and Melbourne. But the teams that were already there, the Victory in Sydney FC, they were already well-established in the city. And I feel like the Roar are still on unstable footing in terms of finances, support. We know there is a great supporter base for football in Brisbane. We see it any time the Roar are in the grand final and not much else. But every week, there feels like there's a pretty decent roll-up crowd each week, but maybe they haven't fully in with the raw and maybe that might see them jump over to hypothetical brisbane too or whatever
3: it's an interesting one because there certainly seems to be a fair few disenfranchised and disenfranchised brisbane football supporters given everything that's happened with the raw but on expansion we need more teams absolutely the league yeah, needs more that's, teams that I we all agree on I that's something it, we're all yeah
1: we're all in i forget who
3: said this but someone said it might on fox a strategic goal of the league should be having two teams in all the big markets for competition I think there's something in that. It's just with Brisbane, where do you put that team? Which we'll probably get to in a minute, but where do you put yeah. the team? Is it in Brisbane or is it in a surrounding area? Well,
2: let, let me preface my, my strong views on this. And that I immediately, if, if this consortium, for example, but were to invest in a MPL club, say Gold Coast, Shuntime Coast, or even you know, Ipswich, sort of that Springfield, that, that, sort of that track, that huge you know, uh, developing, area, developing area, that's the world I'm trying to look for, then you know what? Then it is a good thing but to, as you know, the words that were used were turf war with the Brisbane Roar, that's that's not what expansion's all about. It's all about complementing the league, not trying to rob someone else's territory and and try and make a buck out of it. You know, I know know there is a huge groundswell against the Backries. You know, none of us like like the way they, they own the club and whatnot, but by putting another club in to try and hope and magically think that it's going to make it better. Yeah, look, I just think it's a huge risk. And, you know, not only would it, the, the club that's come in could be in dire straits. It could also take out the original, one, which is Brisbane Roar. And that having no clubs in Brisbane or no viable clubs in Brisbane we're an absolute disaster for, in this in the city, the state, and I think the league in general.
3: It is a risk. I mean, if you, at, if you look at Melbourne Derby was fantastic too in the last 10 days, but when you think back, Melbourne Heart. When they started, they struggled for so long to get any sort of footprint. It wasn't until the City Football Group came in and whacked down million after million that they finally got a bit of a foothold in Melbourne. I mean, it might be a bit like that to start with.
1: And how many billionaires are going to be able to come in and say, all right, let's just buy a Brisbane team and align them with our group? You've got, what, Stan Kroenke, Roman Abramovich, and that's me. the
3: City Football Group will buy another team, maybe. <laughs> oh, that I'm sure <laughs> that, that would work, cause clearly. an
1: issue. But yeah, see, for me, look, I definitely think Eventually, they do need to get some sort of Brisbane derby going, have you know the orange against a you know, team with a black strip or something, just for some sort of colour contrast. But I just can't see this as the best possible time. If they want to bring back a Gold Coast team... Now, one of my friends, Gordon, he lives down on the Gold Coast. He has said all along there is a brilliant market for football there. It's a very popular sport. But Clive Palmer just handled it totally the wrong way.
3: And the yep. Gold Coast kind of struggles with sports teams generally. I mean, they've had two NBL teams that have fallen over. They've had some other rugby league teams that fell over before the Titans, and it just seems to be that the Gold Coast struggles to attract crowds at sporting events. Look,
2: let's face it, you know, the Sun, the Suns are, you know, they've millions and millions of dollars, you know, lost every year by the AFL to keep it afloat. The Titans are NRL-owned, so you know, it may not be the most stable and fertile ground, but you know, but then again, with that, maybe the reason why not So it's not so stable, because they're crying for football. And the problem was not the people of the Gold Coast so much. It was Clive Palmer and the way he ran that club. I feel like one thing that really stands out for me with the Gold Coast is if you
1: go for the total opposite of Clive Palmer, the Wanderers' method of community engagement, where you say, no, we're the people's club. We're not going to be Glamour FC or whatever. We're gonna." I feel like that's the way you get the fans on board. The Wanderers have given Australia a blueprint on how to start up a team and start them up well.
3: They haven't, but just back to what Miron Blyberg was talking about. Um, I don't know exactly what he's planning because he didn't. He was very vague. He didn't say specifically Brisbane. He just said the Brisbane area, so he might be talking about the Ipswich area or, or the Gold Coast. I mean, he wasn't very specific, and that's why I'm kind of hoping for more information before. Well,
1: well southeast yeah. Queensland as a whole, I think that could potentially get another team in, but absolutely it can.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh look, there's no doubt. Like South, the southeast Queensland sort of tracked is yeah like i said it, there's certainly enough out there like logan logan for example is a very very you know, big area as well that you know that perhaps you know, a club like say for example you know Brisbane strikers could move and potentially be in line for a um, for a license but at the end of the day just having having another team for sake of three derbies a year i just think it just does not work there's more to this expansion there's more to sort of viability to having clubs than just you know oh let's have it for a couple of derbies
3: my view on this I think the best option would be the Ipswich West option to be honest I think because they've got there's a clear divide there and they seem to be very proud people out that way would support their own they haven't had a team in a professional league that could be a way you could have a derby a team based out of Springfield with Ipswich maybe connecting with Logan as well there's a lot of people in that area that they could embrace have
1: maybe call it a west brisbane team or something western pride just
3: yeah, yeah, move up yeah. the npl
1: well that's actually that's going to be something that's really interesting because i did remember reading i think it was earlier this year there was talk of maybe a joint nrl a league team being set up out in ipswich and I, I think that would work and truthfully i would love to see you know the two codes working together because look at the end of the day the market can be big enough for two sorts of teams like that and yeah, I I don't like the idea of a Brisbane derby to get three games of forty thousand or so, if that many actually show up.
2: He's very surprised in the infant days that you know that you get you know forty thousand you know for for a derby against you a Brisbane raw team that you know is struggles you know with sort of public relations, and then you a new team. Yeah, like I said, you're not you're not gaining much in you know the first years, and now like I said, we don't get the numbers that you know the Melbourne derby and Sydney derby do. Virtually overnight. You know, there, were, there was games where he looked, they were selling at 20,000-seat stadiums at Pertec for Sydney. But, you know, this round one this round one crowd, that didn't happen overnight.
3: Yeah, at the end of the day, I just don't know if there's enough football supporters in Brisbane disenfranchised who would get on something like the Strikers. I don't know if there's enough to make it viable at the end of the day. I'd love to see it because there's a growing dislike between the Raw fans and the Strikers fans if you go to the NPL derbies but I don't know if there's enough there
1: see I feel like there is a whole group of I would call them casual fans in Brisbane who say oh you know we'll go to a few Raw games per year but they wouldn't necessarily identify themselves as maybe Brisbane Raw diehards
3: are they going to jump on the strike and be a Strikers diehard though that's the question
1: yeah well that's it that's going to be that will be interesting to see but I suppose look we've had our say so I think we're all on board saying maybe not a Brisbane second team but if the A-League was going to expand, for me, I feel like there are so many better places to put in a team. Absolutely. First and foremost, Canberra. Like that's right up there. That, for me, is one daylight and then a lot of the other candidates. Are there any other places you guys would want to see?
3: Well, I think the FFA is hell bent on having a third team in Sydney for more derbies. I mean, the South Sydney, Cronulla Riots thing from last year. I think Wollongong are going to put their hand up as well. I think they're a big crowd in the FFA Cup when they played Sydney FC. I think... I think they've done enough to say that they should be strongly considered.
1: I'd rather see a third team go to Melbourne, yeah. personally. So long. And
3: then you've also got, over the weekend, David Gallup talking about an Auckland team for a New Zealand derby. There's been plenty of... The last week, so many different options have popped up.
2: Look, I think it also depends on what the program is, the FFA, as far as how quickly they want to expand. Like, if they... I, if it's sensible, they go you know, maybe eleven, twelve licensed. You know, in the in the short term, which I think, as we indicated, I, I agree with you guys that Canberra, I think, is almost I'd say almost a certainty. But you know, you'd think that would be very high on the list. Then that I guess there'll be a tie between say Wollongong slash, you know, the South Sydney sort of based franchise. But then. Uh, after that, it'd be interesting. Like I, said, I, I think South Melbourne, obviously, there's plenty of claims there. Being, you know, one of the old NSL clubs, I think, have got a very big claim to to be, you know, sort of a license holder. And then, yeah, then you talk about places like Tasmania and uh, Geelong.
3: Adam, with FFA, nothing is certain.
2: That's true. Now, I never
3: take anything for with FFA, but I do think on expansion, when the league's new TV deal comes in, I do think in that three or four year period we should be expanding to at least twelve, and maybe preparing for a thirteenth and fourteenth at that point. Yeah. Because
1: I... They need to get to 12 ASAP. Exactly. And, you know, that'll come... I think there's one more season left on the TV deal? The
3: TV deal's up at the end of this year. Okay, they're so... are negotiating at the moment.
1: And I would preferably... I think 12 teams is the best place to go. But the thing is, like, just looking at it from a timing perspective, if they are going to expand, they're going to need to get going on that.
3: Well, the Wanderers mm. were announced in January or February or something, and they were came up in October to play. So I think you can do it quickly. Again, I, you mentioned the Wanderers showed you how you can... Expand and grow your market. I think if you do it right, you can probably get away with it quickly. But it's better to have probably better to have a bit more of a lead in. I
2: think that's the key. That's the key at all. Sort of how how much time. know, maybe that's where the strength of you know having a an established team. Like say for example, I keep on pushing Wollongong's band bandwagon, but at least they're an established club. I think that may be the way uh, sort of things progress. Like we don't know we don't know as far as Canberra where that's going to be Canberra Olympic, Tuggeranong, or a composite of Canberra all of them. United. W
1: League version well we'll see what happens I suppose one last thing I want to mention on this North Queensland do you feel like there might be a base for a team there have a second crack at it
3: Uh, it's an interesting one I know Townsville's building a new stadium right in the middle of town which is probably a good thing but I reckon Cairns might be a better bet I think they've been the better of the two northern teams in the NPL. They've done well in the FFA Cup without winning games, but I think that might be the way to go.
2: Well, I think Far North, far north Queensland Heat as well, but having the sort of the money backed by the Aquis Group yep. as well, that might be also a big sort of play as well if the FFA is sort of attracted to you now having stable ownership. Um, you know, through through sort of rich sort of entities, I think that may be. Of oh, the two options, I think um, would probably be the one you'd, you'd lead against. But you know what? You never never say not die on Northern Fury. I think that's like Townsville's probably obviously probably
3: a long way down the line. Those more yeah. obvious expansion areas before we get back to Northern. Yeah. Anyway, I think we could go on for a
1: long time on I this. I think so. We didn't even touch on one of the points on our run sheet about is there room for a second division. We're going to save that for a show when we've got a lot less to talk about and need another Adam rant to... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but if you do want to listen more on the A-League expansion cases, check out the Daily Football Show's A-League Next series. I've listened to pretty much all of them, and I think they're really good. They talk about the pros and the cons of every sort of potential expansion area. So check that out, and I hope they're Except listening. Singapore. Let's just cancel oh, that one, please. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh.
2: Stop me now before I rant about that. Yeah, we'll uh, have that to... Have...
3: Mark Van Aken's yeah. pet topic? We'll have oh, to sorry, talk... Mark, yeah.
1: you're We'll have to talk behind the scenes to Mark, I yeah. think, on that. <laughs> All right, so this is Brisbane Football Review. We'll come back and talk about this weekend's game against the Perth Glory.
0: You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
1: Here we are for the final section of the Brisbane Football Review. James, Scott and Adam to look ahead to Sunday's game between the Raw and Perth Glory at Suncorp Stadium. But before we do that, though, Scott, how can people get in contact with us?
3: Okay, so we've got our Facebook page, facebook.com, the Raw Review. We've got our Twitter, at Raw Review. Oh, you can listen on Switch, 1197. And also, uh,
1: and Audio Boom and iTunes. Audioboom iTunes podcast. As I'm, as I'm sure you're realising, because chances are that's how you downloaded us in the first <laughs> Probably, place. yes. <laughs> yes, all right. So, uh, any... Listeners, we want to say yes, hello to we have a
3: listener in the United States, JC Morgan. So, Shout out to, to you, JC. Thank yes, so hey, you so much. Love the initials. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> All right, so um, 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon, Brisbane, Perth, Suncorp Stadium. This is actually going to be a surprisingly intriguing game. The last few years, it's lacked a bit of fire, but...
3: All of a sudden, Perth are flying, and it's going to be a pretty tight game. It'll be a good test for the Royal to see exactly where they're at after two road games against what are perceived to be lesser opposition, although Newcastle's kind of blown that out of the water. It'll be good to see the Royal play against one of the teams are right near the top of the table. it be a good test for them. Adam, what are you looking for? Ah, uh, but I think um,
2: I think Perth are one of the benchmark teams leagues league so far, and I think they're they're gonna be they're gonna be tough to serve to knock off. I, th- I think from a Brisbane Royal point of view, I just think an improved performance again on top of sort confidence built from Central Coast last week. I think. Um, I think that's where we should be looking at the moment. But like I said, at home, we're a much different side. You now, our record is probably one of the best in the league at the moment. So look, you, you never know. Uh, the home uh, the home ground advantage may actually play for us.
1: Well, interestingly enough, you mentioned the stats. So all time between the two clubs, played 34, 18 wins for the Raw, 8 for Perth. At Suncorp, played 16, 10 wins for the Raw, 2 for Perth. Yeah, there it is. And there, I seem to remember a pretty interesting game. It would have been... April 2012. Do you guys remember what happened then?
3: Oh. Perth don't like talking about what happened that day, that's for sure. Ooh.
1: I do. <laughs>
3: I it was a clear penalty, I don't know what they're arguing about. Anyway.
1: Yeah, well, funny story from that day. I was sitting on halfway, and I'm used to sitting around in the den where you can sort of lose your mind a little bit. And Barisha missed a chance just before halftime, and I probably went on a good 30-second rant. In essence, it was Brisha, You're a striker. You're paid to shoot, not think. We had a group of fourteen-year-old girls in front of us who just turned around and looked at me like I was absolutely mental. And well, you I was, are, but yeah, <laughs> it was just still funny. And yeah, another one of those games where I uh, couldn't talk for a few days afterwards. But it was well, well worth
3: it. Fun times.
1: But yeah, I suppose Perth Glory 2016-17. They did a lot of their recruitment early on in the off season. It felt like so you forgot some of the players that they added, but they've got a surprisingly deep squad.
3: And it's a lot of West Australians as well. You look at Adam Taggart, who might be back. I mean, they've got some young players from Perth as well. Shane Lowry's back from the January. Look at some of the guys. Their names are escaping me. Reese Williams is one who they brought back in the off season. I don't think... I'm just, the, the, yeah. I've I'm had a blank on who they've actually recruited, but it's a
1: very good squad. They've got Lowry. They've got, uh, who else? Richie Garcia, Reese Williams.
3: I think it's like 14 West Australians in their squad.
1: Yeah, Ross, roston Griffiths. Who else have they got? Uh,
3: Adam Taggart, who yes, I
1: believe was injured last week. He may Yes, or may he did not make be... the
3: trip to Melbourne, so I haven't heard anything this week. Probably won't find out till after you've listened to this about whether or not he's in the squad or not.
1: Yeah, that's the joy of doing a podcast. Everything's on delay. so This, this is where we find out the roar or glory will sound like Cristiano Ronaldo or something on delay. <laughs> well, it
3: won't be the roar, but anyway.
1: Yes, anyway. <laughs> But uh, they've got plenty of danger men in the squad, especially up front. You've got Andy Keogh who scored a hat-trick and then Diego Castro, who was one of the best players in the league last season.
2: Yeah, look, and you also can't forget um, the Bosa Marinkovic as well. Yes. He's he's the, the maestro behind that as well. And, you know, like I said, we allude to about their, their set-piece you know, stuff and it, it all goes through him. So
1: Yeah, that's it. And... Uh... At the back, Liam Reddy, and I know the Den's going to give them give him lots of stick as per usual yes. on the weekend. Oh, something about songs. some <laughs> no. alcoholic beverages or yeah. something. Yes, which uh, we won't go into any more detail. Yeah, right. On
3: set pieces, it was the FFA Cup when these two sides met in the pre-season, or pre-season FFA Cup. The two goals were both set pieces from Dino Jewelbridge. I think they got three out of their six in the last game in the A-League. The 6-3 game, I think three of them were set pieces, so that's been an area that Perth have been very strong against the raw at, and it's probably an area that John Lewis should be preparing the side to defend better at this weekend.
1: And one thing that just popped into my head, Mark Warren. So he was fairly average. Park He was pretty average that first time that they played, I believe. And Aaron Williams as well, when those two sides met early last season. And then since then, they've kind of bounced back and become, if not world beaters, then pretty stable members of the Perth squad as
3: well. Yeah, Mark Warren kind of gets that park footballer's rap. But the last half of last season, the start of this year has been pretty decent. He's been not been the best, but he's been all right. I think he'd be one
2: of the uh, the most improved footballs in the A League, you know, from I guess we didn't expect much from his Sydney days, but he seemed to have thrived over in the West and uh,
3: I wouldn't say thrived, he's just been
2: He's gotten better. He's been
3: A League well, caliber left back. Well like I said
2: le- left back's a tough position to sort of find quality. But you know what he, he does the job every week for, for uh, Perth.
3: He's keeping import Joseph Mills out the side as well.
1: So he must be doing something right then. But uh, one, player that is go- oh, what? Not one player that's going to be missing is actually the coach, Kenny Lowe. He's accepted a two-match touchline ban for going off at the referee on Friday night. I wonder what he said to him.
3: Well, if we, we can kind of gauge what he said based on his press conference, which he wasn't supposed to do either. He wasn't particularly pleased with the physicality being ruled out of the game or something like that anyway.
1: Yeah, I did like, um, I think it was the interview with SBS afterwards where he said selective <laughs> amnesia as to what he said to him. <laughs> Which is, you know, fair enough. It was the old Ars- Arsen Wenger lane. I did not see
3: it. He doesn't see anything. He needs to go to get some glasses anyway, anyway. We're not talking about the Premier League on here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure we could. I don't, no, we're not talking about the Premier League on here. <laughs> Says sure? the Man United fan. Ah,
1: that explains it. But um, yeah, Keogh looked very good. But I feel like the Raw have a couple of potential big inclusions coming back. We were talking about uh, training today. Adam, what did you notice?
2: Uh, It looks like Demi Petratos uh, might be uh, back, I think, after his uh, layoff through injury, after he got injured uh, in training before the season started. So... I think that will be make a, for a very, very interesting selection sort of quandary for John Lewisley about whether he brings him straight in or whether he runs him off the bench. Um, but that is a, that's a big in, I think, as far as sort of balance for the, for the side goes.
3: I would almost have to throw him off in off the bench. I think so. And okay. it's a big selection drama coming up as well because if Petrados comes back and Arana comes back, you can probably fit one in for that Katabian diagostino secondary striker role, but who drops out for the second player? Like... It's a big question mark. Does Pepper drop out and you play Petraras as a midfielder? Do you just do you drop Borello? Do you drop dare I Say Thomas Broich. I mean, there's a there's a big question mark coming there.
1: I would not be surprised. Maybe not this weekend, but at some point throughout the season, where mm-hmm. they say maybe it's when they go to Perth to play, yeah. where they just say, look, Broich is old. We're going to rest him for this game, save him the trip.
3: Yeah, it's not going to be this weekend because I don't think he'll bring back both Petraras and Arana this weekend. Probably one or the other, but. In future weeks, when everyone's fit and available, it'd be very inter- interesting to see who's in and who's not.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's certainly you no know, an option. Is that you know that they have to stay they really have to look after Thomas Browich. You know, we I think it's all widely reported this it was probably his last season playing. And you know, and if it means saving him, a, you know, a six-hour trip each way to say Perth, then you know what fans have got to be understanding that you know it's it's about managing a squad, not just you know he's not a machine, not well, not anymore. So you know, that, that, that certainly may, if that solves some selection uh, quandaries, you know, going down the road, assuming that everyone's fit, then, you know, by all means.
3: This will work itself out eventually anyway, because we have the Champions League campaign possibly coming up in the start of, ne- start of the next calendar year. So more games potentially. It could be more management in that way. Play some players one game, not the next. And one of the imports is actually going to have to be left behind, because, of course, with the yeah. AFC rules. We've got three, don't we? How many? It's farms? three plus one, isn't it, the AFC? Yeah, and I thought we had four. Christensen, and uh, Arana it's three, isn't it?
2: Three.
1: Jamie Young. Who does he qualify? No, he's, he's, Australian. he's
2: Australian by.
3: He's Australian technically, yeah. I think. Gosh.
2: But like I said, but then again, we got we got January's transfer we January transfer window. So that, the whole, that the, your whole argument of you now who do we leave, who we play, and who we leave for Asian Champions League may uh, you know eventually depending on who we sign, if happens. anyone.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, so. You, okay, so just on this point, we'll finish off with a quick prediction. Arana or Demi, if you're going to bring one of, them, one of them into the squad, who would you do?
3: I'd bring back Petrados. I think his creativity is something we've been kind of lacking a little bit. he probably be the one I'd bring in for this game.
2: Yeah, Demi Petrados, he's a known quantity. I think uh, Arana, I think we've got to be of uh, uh, until he proves otherwise. You know, he's got great pedigree back in uh, Spain, but you know, we've got we've got to be sure that he's going to adapt to Australian conditions.
1: I'll, I'll just say Arana to be different.
3: Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway,
2: speaking of predictions... What are we going to, what's your pick for the game, Adam? Uh, I, think, I think Perth will win 2-1. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's, as much as it pains me to say it, I think they are a formed team at the moment. I think Raw will be much better. I think, I think at this stage at the moment, you no know, performance over results almost as far as what we're looking at for the Raw. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I say it with you know, not much pleasure anyway. Well, what constitutes a good performance for you? Uh, look i guess um look I guess if they as long as they they're in the game for 70 80 minutes and that you now if they're beaten by you know i guess a great great play you know a set piece or you know something that you know perth you know pushing for the game rather than sort of a mistake or just you know just a lethargic performance that's what we don't want we don't
1: so, so maybe one of those raw wins from last year where it was like a but in reverse, obviously, where it was you know two one towards the end, and then Perth get a late goal just with the
3: counter attack on. Yeah,
2: the- yeah. Like I said, it, it's it's more. Like I said, I think more about the performance than the result.
3: The first non non-raw prediction in this podcast history. I'm the first sure. time anyone's gone with the loss. I thought you guys. No, said that think that it was, was going to be a happy? loss.
1: A couple of weeks ago.
3: I think you said draw, didn't you? No, against, against victory. Melbourne victory. I said. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I think it'll be a one all draw, James. I'm not quite as negative as Adam. I think our home form is pretty good. And I think we'll get a we'll get a one or a draw out of this. It might be coming from behind again, but I think we'll get the point I'm see these Sunday afternoons at Suncorp
1: Stadium always lead to something a little bit screwy for me,
3: yes, but only in March and April and
1: yeah true I don't know i I just always think there's going to be something screwy, but I'm going to say it's screwy in a good way. three three draw
2: What and oh, I feel there's like history for high scoring games yeah. so
1: yeah, or oh, I'd take a six three to the draw this time <laughs> <laughs> I think we all would um now before we go, uh there are some other a league fixtures just quickly. Melbourne City against Adelaide Friday night. Saturday has Newcastle versus Sydney FC and then the Wanderers against the Mariners. And then Monday night, A League, you've got Melbourne victory against Wellington in the traditional Melbourne Cup eve. So we'll be back next week, probably broke from our losses on the Melbourne Cup. Probably.
3: <laughs> you've got some good betting tips anyway. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that off air. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but um, before we go, yeah, so Sunday afternoon, there is a whole of the club photo on the pitch at Suncorp Stadium, which will be pretty cool. But we well, I at least will be outside near the Wally Lewis statue doing fan cams for the Brisbane Football Review. So if you're around, please come and have a rant into the microphone, good or bad. We love hearing from you. Absolutely. That's it. And uh, check out our social media accounts. Scott mentioned that before. Yeah. And uh, yeah, drop us a line. We will be back next week on the Brisbane Football Review. Guys, thanks for your time. Yeah, see thanks. you next thanks week, James. James. All right. See you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.